All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today is a Q&A in which we are reacting to the lack of headlines from Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot's press conference, as well as ranking where Arthur Smith's first year as Falcons head coach compares to past Falcons head coaches year once. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at Falcfans.com. RIP, still going strong on Twitter at Falcfans, putting up weekly content at the Falcoholic, the SB Nation website for the Atlanta Falcons. And of course, the host of this world-renowned Lockdown Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Lockdown Falcons is our Wednesday All-22 review slash Q&A. But guess what? We're not reviewing the All-22. Who cares about that Week 18 game? Season's over. We'll be getting into the season in stuff, but no one really cares about the Saints game. There were some observations I had in that game that may apply to sort of season long observations, but nothing specific about that game uh, that is worthy of of deeper conversation. So instead we got a press conference from both Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot, sort of their year in presser that, you know, pretty much everybody does and not a whole lot to glean from that. We'll get into that as well, but the bulk of today's episode, will be answering a couple of listener questions. Uh, one of which is going to be where does Arthur Smith's first year as the Falcons head coach rank among sort of the last five, not counting one specific guy of, of the last Falcons coaches going back to Dan Reeves in terms of their year one. We'll be talking a little bit about the parallels uh, between this week 18 game uh, against the Saints. So we will talk about this game somewhat and compare it to a past week 18 or week 17 finale. That was a little bit disappointing and we'll see some of the the differences and whatnot, uh, as well as sort of talking about, you know, which player I expect to see growth from that isn't Kyle Pitts in Going into 2022, we'll also be looking at a couple of pit prospects, something that is near and dear to my heart as a listener wants to know my opinion on on a couple of uh, high end pit prospects and whether or not they sort of are potentially on the Falcons radar and where they kind of fit uh, in, in terms of the Falcons radar. So that's what we'll get into on today's episode. But before we get into all that, guys, I want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Falcons your first listen each and every day. Of course, Lockdown Falcons is free and available on a variety of podcast platforms, including Apple, Odyssey, Google, and Spotify. And of course, Lockdown Falcons is free and available on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to the Lockdown Falcons YouTube channel and make sure you give us that thumbs up when you do. So getting into the year-end press conference of Arthur Smith and uh, Terry Fontenot, they said a lot without saying really anything, uh, which is fine. You know, they, they don't have to conduct their presses at the whims of someone like me. Basically, Arthur Smith specifically, when he was asked a question about something, I can't remember specifically what it was, but he basically said, like, I know you're trying to get headlines, but we're not going to give you those. And so, you know, I know Locked on Falcons is their favorite podcast and they listen to it each and every day. And so they don't want to, you know, mine content for this content machine that is the Locked on Falcons podcast. So it's disappointing on a personal note, but I understand that they want me to go a little bit harder and strive a little bit more to do my job and give you that precious, delicious uh, Locked on Falcons content each and every day. So 
you know, again, this has been the MO of these two guys going back to when they first hired. They don't really talk about specific players. Uh, they wouldn't even comment on Matt Ryan's status, even though we had the report that came out Sunday that Matt Ryan will be back in 2022 when asked basically that question, they were saying like, Oh, we, we don't know. Uh, we don't want to say anything and, and have to backtrack or whatever. We don't want to back ourselves into a corner, which is kind of the reason why, even though I expected Matt Ryan to be back, I never expected the team to sort of confirm it publicly because of that reason, because the same exact reason they gave last year. So it was a little surprising to me on Sunday that Chris Mortensen put that out there, that the team is going there. And then of course, you know, two days later, the team is not even willing to sort of confirm that report. And that's kind of what you kind of expect with this, with this regime at this point in time, they will basically say a whole lot without saying really anything. And it's purposeful. It's calculated, right? They, they, their goal is to not basically have anybody be able to listen to anything they say and learn anything from that. They were asked about changes to the coaching staff. Even then it was like, ah, oh, we'll see what happens was what Arthur Smith had the response. And I know there's a lot of people out there given all the recent firings around the league. I think there's what, like six or seven uh, coaching vacancies right now. And, you know, we'll see what the Raiders situation, situation is uh, if and when after their playoff situation could be added to that list as well. So, um, you know, it's just interesting uh, where I think a lot of people are hoping to see the Falcons sort of, you know, cherry pick some of the top assistants from some of these various staffs or even go after a couple of these fired, uh, you know, head coaches and maybe bring them in as coordinators or assistant head coaches or whatever the case may be. And Arthur Smith was basically like, I, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, and and then they were asked specifically about Calvin Ridley's status and Terry Fontenot basically said nothing has changed with him. We continue to support him, which is them basically saying nothing. Uh, I don't think there's really anything to read into that. You know, uh, that's pretty much what you would say, regardless of where the Falcons are leaning in terms of Calvin Ridley's future, if he's going to be back or not. You know, I know some people will sit here and say, well, if he was going to be back, they would say that. But again, we all expect Matt Ryan to be back, but they couldn't even go out on a limb and, and say, yeah, we think Matt Ryan will be back this year, but we don't know. Or, or you know, they didn't, couldn't even make that. So, um, you know, I think they're not going to endorse really anybody uh, in that regard. So basically what I would sit here and tell you, if, if you're seeing anybody out there, um, you know, if you have the audacity to listen to anybody else's opinion on the Atlanta Falcons other than my own, how dare you? But I, I, again, I appreciate you making Lockdown Falcons your first listen. You, I guess technically you can check out those other shows as your second listen of the day if, if you feel so compelled. If you're not fulfilled in your Falcons content on a daily basis here on Lockdown Falcons, and I apologize for that. I will strive harder. But if you have the audacity to listen to someone else's opinion on the Atlanta Falcons and if you're seeing them say something like, oh, Terry Fontenot said this and it means this or Arthur Smith said this and it means this, I would sit here and tell you that they're probably making it up uh, They're, You know, it's confirmation bias. It's they think that. And so therefore, they're trying their best to sort of construe what. Terry Fontenot or Arthur Smith is saying in order to mean that. So I would generally say for all these press conferences in the future that we'll have probably several this offseason, several podcast appearances, check them out, listen to them. Maybe you hear something uh, interesting or compelling or whatever the case may be. You know, there'll be a nugget or two that slips through the crack or, or whatever the case may be. But I would generally say you're not going to hear anything in terms of the things that you want to hear. We're, we're not going to get the Thomas Dimitrov's treatment where Thomas Dimitrov would basically come out and say, like, here's where we're planning on, you know, this is our focus. This is our priority this offseason. We're not going to get that from them. You know, basically all I've learned about Terry Fontenot is he believes in the best player available draft strategy. He reiterated that on Tuesday. 
Um, and Arthur Smith wants to be a physical football team. And he basically let that slip during the season, during one of his press conferences, the goal to be physical. And that's all I've learned about them and their philosophies over the last year that they have been in their respective positions. And that's part of the reason why I, I find Dean Pease's press conferences so refreshing, even though Dean Pease isn't telling you specifics about you know, the game plan or anything like that in his weekly press conferences, but he'll tell you what he thinks of a player. He'll tell you sort of more philosophical things. So like you listen to those press conferences, like I'm actually getting something from this, uh, even if it's maybe not the thing that I desperately want or whatever the case may be to reveal like how many times they're going to blitz this week or something like that. But you're, you're consistently getting something like Dean P is basically saying we, you know, we want to get better pass rush. We want to get better in man coverage. Like that is way more in one sentence that Dean P said, you know, two weeks ago uh in that one press conference then arthur smith and terry fontana have said all year long so that's why you know respect dean Pease, uh regardless of where you think of his defenses and, and his decision making in terms of players and whatnot uh you know you got to respect that the dean Pease is, is going to speak his mind uh so i i'm a fan of dean Pease if for only that reason we can actually get some content here on the podcast from what dean Pease has to say unfortunately we probably won't get to hear dean Pease talk uh for you know nine months at this point in time so we'll just sort of have to see how that goes but uh that will do it for us on the um, content side of the press conference or whatever. We'll talk a, a little bit about a player that Dean Pease has spoken about later on the episode. We'll get into sort of my thoughts on Richie Grant and his growth into year two. But uh, before we get into that, we'll, we'll answer a listener question about uh, where Arthur Smith's year one ranks in comparison to past Falcons coaches. Is it at the top? Is it in the middle? Is it in the bottom? We'll get into that as we continue today's Lockdown Falcons. But before we get there, guys, I want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Falcons your first listen each and every day. And of course, Lockdown Falcons is free and available on a variety of podcast platforms, um, just like so many other shows that should be your second listen above some of these Falcon shows. Go check out another show on the Lockdown Podcast Network. And, you know, given it's topical at this time of year, why not check out the Lockdown Bulldogs podcast. Clinton Daniel were extremely petty on their Tuesday episode in which they were recapping the championship game. So if you're a Georgia fan listening to this podcast and you just want to be petty all week about the Georgia Bulldogs being the national champions in football, Clinton Daniel are leading the way. So go check out that podcast. I enjoyed it very much. They always do a great job on that show. I wish I could be that petty about, and I'm just waiting for the Falcons to be good again so I can be that level of pettiness. So go check out Lockdown Bulldogs, of course, free and available on a variety of podcast platforms, the same ones that you can check out Lockdown Falcons as well as on YouTube. So uh, while we're in playoff season, um, it's a new year. And that means people are in their New Year's resolutions and they're trying to eat better and eat healthier. And of course, we have you covered on that because we've been pushing Built Bars all year long. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. You don't have to start eating Built Bars right now. Hopefully, many of you guys have already been converted to Built Bars. But if you're not, by all means, go check out Built Bars right now. They always have a, a variety of limited time flavors. You can get eggnog, lemon dip cheesecake, ruby chocolate, uh, caramel macchiato, coconut brownie. And especially right now, if you're a big fan of the Built Bites, which are sort of the bite-sized version of all the great flavors of Built Bars, uh, they're on a clearance sale, 50% off on all flavors of Built Bites. So if you even want smaller versions of the Built Bars, the best tasting protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar, you can get that at Built.com. Heading over there, and when you do, make sure you use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your order. That's, again, promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. 
So our first question comes from Chill Vibes at Chill Catch Vibes on Twitter. He has Dan Reeves, RIP, Mike Smith, Dan Quinn, Art Smith. If you could grade their year one head coaching job for Atlanta or rank them in order, who would you think had the best, better year one success? So, yes, RIP to Dan Reeves. Apologize for not speaking about Dan Reeves passing um, on previous episodes of the podcast. I've always been like, oh, I need to talk about Dan Reeves or whatever the case may be. And today's probably not the day I'm going to talk about it. Uh, but yeah, you know, RIP to Dan Reeves, uh, one of the greats in, in Falcons history, one of the great coaches in NFL history, player, coach, you know, certainly a, a person that should be in the conversation for a Hall of Fame and, and did a lot here in Atlanta, brought the Falcons to their first Super Bowl, whatever the case may be. But on to your question, chill vibes. Um, you didn't mention Jim Mora. And, you know, we'll talk about the last five Falcons coaches, not counting Bobby Petrino, because we know where he would rank uh, all time on all the Falcons coaches. So we'll skip over Bobby Petrino. But the last five real Falcons coaches, where they would rank, let's go from five to one. Yeah, I have Arthur Smith in terms of year one at the bottom. Um, Again, just not a whole lot there of substance to really make you feel one way or the other. At least in the other coaches, you saw like positives. In, in in their year one in like with the Falcons is just kind of just like and eh, they were just kind of mediocre the whole time. Right. Number four, I'm gonna go with um Dan Quinn, mostly because it started strong and then finished poorly. And I will give Dan Reeves the nod over Dan Quinn at the number three spot because it started poorly and finished strong. Like Dan Quinn started five and oh and the Falcons finished three and eight to go eight and eight. Dan Reeves started 0 and 5 and the Falcons finished, you know, uh seven and, and three or seven and two, seven and four, uh, you know, with a six and two finish there in the middle um at the end uh to go seven and nine. So I feel like, you know, you want to finish strong. That's ideally how we, we sort of mock up these seasons. You know, you want to start slow and finish strong. And and Dan Reeves did that. Dan Quinn didn't quite do that. Number two, I got Mike Smith. Uh, certainly that team deserves points for exceeding expectations, but I'm going to put Jim Moore number one. That's why I'm sitting here saying, why did you forget Jim Moore? Because like that team went further than any of They're the only team that's won a playoff game in year one for the head coach. They went to the NFC championship. Yeah. They did. They beat a bad Rams team. That was probably one of the historically worst playoff teams of all time. Sure. Right. Uh, we talk about the, that Rams team and their point differential. I think they were like a six win team or whatever the case may be that won eight games because they, I think they swept the Seahawks that season and a, a bad Seahawks team as well. Um, and that was the reason why they went eight and eight that year. And the Falcons blew the, the, the doors off of them in that first uh, playoff game. But it is one of those things um, where like, you got to give Jim Moore credit for taking the team as far as they did. You know, Mike Smith didn't win a playoff game. Uh, Jim Moore did. So Jim Moore is number one on that ranking list. Uh, so let's move on to Mantis Toboggan MD at Sebastian dad's question. He asked, why did the saints game feel reminiscent to that 2014 season finale against the Panthers? How will this 2021 season Falcon season be remembered who on this current roster is someone interested in seeing is someone that you're interested in seeing grow. It can't be Kyle Pitt. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think there were certainly some parallels. And one of the reasons why I was so um, disappointed or had such low expectations going into the week 18 finale against the saints was because I expected it to kind of be like that 2014 Panthers game where the Falcons lost 34 to three, but you, you see some of the interesting parallels in 2014, the Falcons gave up 194 yards rushing to the Panthers uh, in 2021. They gave up 195 rushing yards to the saints, right? The Falcons turned the ball over three times in that Panthers game. They turned the ball over three times in the saints game. Now the, the Falcons were sacked six times in that Panthers game, only sacked three times in this game. Um, and both 
game saw the team down by a similar score at halftime in 2014. That was down 24 to three at halftime. This year it was 24 to six at halftime. Now what's notable about why that Panthers game got out of hand was two out of those three turnovers were pick sixes uh, in that game. Uh, And part of the reason why the Falcons gave up so many sacks in that game is because they were forced to drop back and throw 53 times in that game. Right. And uh, you compare that to only 33 dropbacks in this Saints game. And the reason why the Falcons didn't have to drop back and throw the ball 40, 45, 50 times in this game is because they didn't possess the ball enough to uh, throw the ball that much. In, in that Panthers game in 2014, they possessed the ball for about 29 minutes. This time it was about 21 minutes. So that eight less minutes that, you know, the, there's a potential of like two more possessions with, you know, two, you know, I don't know, eight more throws or 10 more throws or whatever the case may be uh, or more uh, at that point in time. So maybe they would have gotten sacked six more times if they had dropped back and thrown a lot more uh, in that game. Um, so, you know, in terms of how the season will be remembered, you know, I think some of that is still left to be determined by next season. As I already mentioned before, you know, I don't have particularly fond memories of this season. It's fine. You know, like I, I think the tendency of people wanting to put a positive spin on this season is just, you know, your typical fan trying to put a positive spin on everything, uh, which is fine. Again, I'm not going to sit here and, and tell you that it's all sky is doomed or whatever. It's just, it's just kind of just a middling neutral type of year. Uh, at least the, other years, as I just mentioned, you know, you got something like you got a win streak or whatever the case may be uh, in, in those years. Again, a strong start for Dan Quinn, a strong finish for Dan Reeves, and obviously the success that guys like Mike Smith and, and Jim Moore had. So I guess part of it is I'm spoiled by at least seeing something a little bit more meaningful than what we got this year uh, in that. But, you know, I think part of the reason why it's this season it, still is left to be determined is because I think in a lot of ways, when you particularly when you look at guys like Dan Quinn and Dan Reeves, the fact that the team had so much success the following year does make that mediocre, that mediocrity that they displayed in year one uh, look a lot more favorable or a lot more forgivable. Like, and so if Arthur Smith and company, you know, wind up going to the postseason, we'll probably look back at the positives from this season more so than we do the negatives, right? Like at the time, you know, coming off the heels of most recently with Dan Quinn in that 2015 season, you know, that six game losing streak in the middle of the season really looked bad. And I know for me personally, I went into the 2016 offseason in that season being very pessimistic in large part due to the struggles that the team had in the middle of the season where they lost, what, like seven out of eight games or whatever the case may be. Um, and and so like then when they obviously had so much success in 2016, that looked, you know, it's like, oh, well, let's focus on the five and oh start. Let's focus on the fact that that offense was a top five offense for like the first six to seven weeks of that season. When we look back in retrospect and and maybe again a more positive 2022, we will look back at this 2021 season and say, Hey, you know, they did some things that dolphins game or that jets game or whatever the case may be. Or if they struggle, we'll sit here and say, yeah, that Dallas game or that new England game looks a lot more uh, relevant uh, than it, it may seem to people right now. So um, we'll, it's just kind of time will tell, you know, the long, you know, history will, will t- determine how the season is remembered. And that's going to be determined by kind of what happens the rest of this time in the Arthur Smith era. As for, you know, a player on the current roster that I'm looking to forward to seeing grow, you know, if Kyle Pitts is the obvious choice and the second most obvious choice is Ricky Grant, Richie Grant. 
Um, I'm not as down on Richie Grant's rookie season as maybe some others are. Certainly, I'm not as down on DPs as other people are with his usage. Although, again, maybe I'm biased because of DPs, you know, giving us uh, some information in his pressers that are at least useful to me on the podcast. So I'm probably a little bit more forgiving of DPs and his choices uh, for that reason alone, if not anything else. But, you know, I think Grant was kind of up and down. Um, you know, my biggest beef with his performance this season was the missed tackles, uh, which were a little bit too frequent. I think that's going to be the biggest area of concern for him if he does get an extended look as a starter or a more expanded role in 2022, which I'm expecting uh, to see. The, the, to me, the big question is going to be how do the Falcons perceive their safety position? Is this a position where they feel like, you know, they already have some in-house options, whether that be Richie Grant or Jalen Hawkins, or is this a position that they feel compelled that they're going to need to try to upgrade this offseason with guys like Harmon and Harris, you know, being free agents and, and maybe one or both of those guys uh, not being resigned. Again, I, I do kind of expect Eric Harris to be resigned, but we'll see how that goes. Um, and, you know, you go back to an episode I did two weeks ago where I talked about how safety may be a bigger need uh, on the back end of their defense. Um, than a lot of people are perceiving given how they want to play this sort of cover to heavy style of defense. Um, and that puts a little bit more emphasis on the, on the safety play than it does the cornerback play in my humble opinion. And so one wonders, okay, is it, are we penciling in Richie Grant and Jalen Hawkins to be the starters? Or are we penciling in one of those guys to be the starter and trying to upgrade the other position? And then what does that mean about if those two guys are competing for a starting job or did the Falcons bring in a free agent? Do they bring in a draft pick and, you know, what about that competition for that spot? So a lot to be determined. And so I'm, I'm eager to see where Richie Grant sort of falls into that mix. Um, I certainly think given the proclivities of Dean Pease to play a lot of three safety looks that even in a world where Richie Grant, you know, winds up losing the starting battle to uh, uh, Jalen Hawkins and, and whoever else uh, the Falcons may bring in this offseason, he'll still get an opportunity to play uh, a lot next year. But obviously, you know, that will be a little disappointing for a second round pick that is a part time starter that plays, you know, 60, 70 percent of the snaps like we saw Jalen Hawkins playing throughout this season, uh, which is, you know, still a starter, but not necessarily the guy that like a normal safety would be playing 90 to 100 percent of the snap. So we'll see if Richie Grant can make that big year two jump. Um, I know Dean P spoke about that on a, a recent press conference about some, basically the thing he has to work on is mastering the defense uh, so that he can make that jump. And I, I think certainly the potential is there, but we'll just sort of have to see if he lives up to those expectations. So uh, that will do it for that question. And we'll move on to the final question and we'll get to talk about my favorite school, the University of Pittsburgh. Right, but I'm sure many of you guys' favorite schools, the new University of Georgia, the University of Alabama, or whatever the case may be, but you know who's gonna get you covered on that. That is gonna be the locked on NFL draft, talking about whatever your favorite college football team, colleges football players are going to be of course ryan tracy and eric crocker are going to have you covered all offseason long getting you geared up for the draft that is what you know 15 weeks away at this point in time so go check out the locked on nfl draft available on all the same podcast platforms that you can find the locked on falcons podcast uh, as well as on YouTube. So guys, uh, I'm sure some of you made the trip to Indianapolis and that's a lot of driving that you have to do. And I'm sure you wound up filling up multiple times on that road trip, but you know, a great app that can help you save on the, uh, 
Phillips that you have when you drive, you know, the 500 miles from Atlanta to Indianapolis to celebrate your team winning or losing the national championship. That is, of course, the Get Upside app. Uh, it's a free app available on the App Store or on Google Play. And Get Upside, there's no catch with it. Every time you fill up, you get up to 25 cents back per gallon. All you got to do is open the app, find one of the thousands of uh, gas stations across the nation uh, that are eligible and, and select it. And you basically will get that money back in a variety of ways. You can get it direct payments back in your bank account. You can get them on PayPal. I personally like to get them on Amazon gift cards. And, you know, many people that use the get upside app, save a lot of money uh, up to two to $300 a month in terms of the savings that they get. And, you know, for you guys out there that sign up now and use the promo code touchdown, you get a bonus 25 cents back per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents back per gallon. So don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Download the free get upside app. Use the promo code touchdown. When you sign up, that's get upside promo code touchdown to start saving every time you fill up. So I love this time of year. Because betting on playoff football is, to me, where it's really at when it comes to betting. You guys know I'm not very good when it comes to hitting those bets in the regular season. But I feel like I have a secret uh, when it comes to the postseason. And it's basically just bet against the first-year quarterbacks, right? The guys that are starting their first playoff game. Typically, they're bad in their first playoff game unless they're surrounded by an elite defense. And none of the quarterbacks, I think, really are. The Probably the closest one is Mac Jones. Um, and I think New England struggled a little bit defensively the last couple of weeks. And, and I'm going to roll with Buffalo in, in sort of four-point favorites in that game. Jalen Hurts, I'm looking at you in your first start. You're, the Eagles are eight-and-a-half-point underdogs to Tom Brady's Buccaneers, so I'll take that. And Kyler Murray, four-point underdogs the Cardinals are to the my beloved uh, L.A. Rams, so you know where my money is going. And, of course, the place to go uh, to take advantage or to ignore this advice that I'm giving you is, of course, BetOnline, the number one spot for all the sports betting action all season long. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, whether we're talking about uh, football, basketball, hockey, UFC, boxing, all the way to your favorite Vegas casino games. So head on over to BetOnline.com. AG. And when you do sign up with the promo code locked on, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That means if you deposit 200 bucks, you get a hundred dollars in free money to play with, to take advantage of this advice or to ignore this advice. So just uh, go ahead to betonline.ag. Don't wait and take advantage of all the amazing offers available at betonline where the game starts. So our last question comes from uh, Mark at dramatic Mark on Twitter. He asks, I have one of those mailbag questions or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is how uh, the disdain in your voice, Mark, is, is how everybody treats these mailbag questions. But he says, what do you think of Kenny Pickett or Jordan Addison as Falcons prospects? On a side note, I didn't realize Marino went to Pitt too. Insane to have Marino, Revis, Donald, and Fitzgerald as alumni. That literally might be the best top four NFL players produced by any school in history. I can't think of another university that tops it. And yes, it is true, Mark. Uh, as I've said on the podcast, basically Pittsburgh, you know, produces first ballot Hall of Famers. That doesn't include people like Mike Dicka and Tony Dorsett and, and so many others, particularly in the 70s and 80s, uh, that Pitt was just pumping out NFL talent after NFL talent. So it's, it's basically if you come from the University of Pittsburgh, you're going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's just a guarantee. Uh, you know, I'm not being hyperbolic or anything like that. And Jordan Addison, their true sophomore wide receiver who's not eligible for this draft class, uh, but he's probably going to be the next one. Right. He just won the Fred Belitnikoff Award, which goes to the top wide receiver in the nation. That's the third pit receiver that has won the Belitnikoff uh, in the last 20 years. Of course, Larry Fitzgerald won it. Antonio Bryant won it a couple of years. And that's the most of any school tied with Alabama, who's got three as well. Although 
to be fair, Alabama has produced their last three in the last like seven or so years, starting with Amari Cooper and Devontae Smith. And uh, who am I blanking on? Uh, who's the other guy? Uh, was it Ruggs or Jerry Judy? I can't remember who it was, but one of those guys, right? So like, yeah, Alabama's probably most recent wide receiver you, but Pitt used to claim that title in the early 2000s is what I'm getting at. And so when you look at uh, Jordan Addison and his potential, like he's kind of reminiscent of, of Calvin Ridley in a lot of ways. He's a guy that's going to probably win with speed and quickness at the next level. He's a smaller guy. He's listed at six foot, 175 pounds. Uh, unlike Ridley, he can jump. Unlike Ridley, he's probably much better with the ball in his hand after the catch. So I think when you can kind of compare him to an NFL prospect, while there's similarities to Calvin Ridley uh, in terms of his frame and his style of play, he's probably a little bit more Tyler Lockett uh, than Calvin Ridley at this point in time. And I think if he can really refine his route running uh, and get it to a level that Calvin Ridley's is at, as well as Lockett and others are beyond that. You know, I do think there you can maybe even go as far if, again, we're talking about him being a Pitt alumnus and being a future first ballot Hall of Famer. Like, you know, I think Antonio Brown is a guy that that's where his kind of ceiling could be as an NFL player and be that type of difference maker in the NFL if he can reach that ceiling uh, as, as, you know, to, to continue the Pitt legacy of superstars. Now. As far as his fit in Atlanta, you know, obviously we've talked about that with Calvin. Really, I don't know if that's really the style of wide receiver that Arthur Smith particularly has shown his ability to maximize. He tends to look at a little more bigger uh, wide receivers, and we'll probably get into that when we get into our year-end wide receiver reviews and whatnot when we talk about sort of what the Falcons need at that position uh, potentially. But so I, I wouldn't necessarily look at Addison as a great fit in Atlanta, um, but be, given that Addison is probably a little bit better with the ball in his hands, and that's really something that Arthur Smith seems to covet in his receivers. Uh, you know, I could see him having much more success in Atlanta than certainly Calvin Ridley did uh, earlier this year because, you know, Arthur Smith could utilize him on screens and, and, and probably Addison probably has a little bit more vertical speed to take the top off of a defense than Calvin Ridley does. Although I don't necessarily know if he's going to be a true, true deep threat in the NFL like that. Um, you know, again, Tyler Lockett does, you know, make a lot of big plays down the field, uh, but you kind of need a, a Russell Wilson to throw him the ball and no offense to Matt Ryan, despite his production as a vertical uh, thrower this season, that's not really Matt Ryan's strength uh, moving forward. But uh, you know, Kenny Pickett's done a great job this year throwing those deep balls to uh, Jordan Addison. And I, I do like Kenny Pickett uh, quite a bit. You know, I, I do love his fit in Atlanta. If you've been following me on Twitter for the last couple of months, back in October and November, I was saying, you know, Kenny Pickett, hashtag future Falcon or whatever the case may be, because I do think uh, in terms of sort of ideal candidates to groom behind Matt Ryan, he is, you know, near the top of the list. Again, whether he's my QB one, I don't know, because I, I still have to do a lot more homework on this quarterback class, but like to me, Kenny Pickett's floor in the NFL is, is a guy that at the very least should be a quality backup quarterback for 10 plus years. But I do think he does have that potential to be an above average starter. He's probably not going to be an elite franchise top 10 quarterback, but I think he has the ceiling to get in that Kirk cousins, Derek Carr tier of quarterback, which is a guy that can keep you in playoff contention, you know, yearly uh, you're not going to sit here and, and be like, he's the problem, but he's probably not going to be the reason why you're winning a bunch of games. You probably need to surround him with a, a strong supporting cast, but can be one of the 10 to 15 best quarterbacks in the league. And I think uh, that's kind of where Kenny Pickett's ceiling is as a quarterback. Um, again, I haven't really dug that deep on this quarterback class. I've watched 
you know, uh, Matt Corral and uh, Malik Willis probably more than others because I watched them early in the season because they were getting a lot of hype back in September uh, as the top two quarterbacks. And obviously, I've seen a lot of Kenny Pickett over the years. So those would be the three that I've watched the most. I have generally positive opinions of those guys um, in terms of where I'm at right now with those guys based off what I saw earlier this season, what I've seen from Kenny Pickett throughout his career. I don't I don't think anybody in this draft class would be graded out as a first round caliber quarterback. I, I feel like whatever guys wind up getting picked in round one are going to be reaches in that regard. But, you know, people thought Mac Jones was a second round talent. You know, Daniel Jones was a second round talent, whatever the case may be. So I feel like those guys are probably, I don't think they're as good as Mac Jones. Cause I didn't think Mac Jones was a second round talent. Uh, personally, I, you know, I, I was, I felt like, you know, I wanted to rank Mac Jones as like my QB three last year behind fields and, um, uh, Trevor Lawrence, but I felt like it was too hot to take and I was just doing it just to uh, be spicy uh, as opposed, but I, I really did think he was on the same level as guys like Trey Lance and Zach. I thought he was actually a little bit ahead of Zach Wilson, but ultimately I put him at five because to me, I, I wanted to bet on Zach Wilson and Trey Lance's upside as opposed to, to Mac Jones's. But um, I don't think any one of those guys are as good as Mac Jones um, was, but I think I certainly think those guys are better than Daniel Jones. And What's going to be interesting about this quarterback class is because, you know, in a couple of weeks when we get to the Senior Bowl after, you know, in early February, that week is going to really kind of determine, I think, this draft class because like six out of the seven consensus top quarterbacks, pretty much everybody other than Matt Corral, um, whether we're talking about Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, uh, Carson Strong, Sam Howell and Bailey Zappi are all going to be in mobile that week for the Senior Bowl. And that's going to be a golden opportunity. We've seen many times over the years where guys can go into the Senior Bowl with a lot of question marks and come out of it really looking good. Um, and that was part of the whole thing with Mac Jones, where he didn't necessarily play in that game, but he went down and really wild teams with his, you know, personality and mental skills and whatnot during the course of that week to really emerge to the point that, you know, we were talking about him as a potential top three pick uh, in, in, in last year's draft class when the 49ers traded up. So, um, you know, I think that week is going to determine a lot. You know, I, I think going into the week, people will be talking mostly thinking Kenny Pickett is ahead of the pack, but, you know, we could come out of that week, you know, with any one of those other, you know, five guys sort of emerging over the course of that week. So, um, you know, at some point I'll do the homework on this quarterback class. Cause again, I will continue to stress the same point I've been stressing since September. I do think the Falcons are poised to take a quarterback uh, relatively early in this draft, probably not in round one, um, but, you know, round two, round three, possibly round four, I, I certainly think is definitely on the table for this team moving forward. Uh, so we'll just sort of have to see. So eventually I will do my quarterback homework. Last year, I kind of waited till April uh, to sort of finalize my rankings on those guys. I, I, don't plan on waiting that long and procrastinating that long, but we'll see. Uh, I'm certainly not going to do it this week. So we'll just sort of have to see if I, if I come out of this thing, um, you know, feeling better about this quarterback class. So, but uh, we'll just sort of have to see about that. I hope that answers your question, Mark, about, you know, the two prominent pit prospects in not only this year's class, but probably next year's class. You know, I think it's possible that Kenny Pickett could be a top 10 pick this year, probably not by the Falcons, but we'll see. Um, again, they could absolutely fall in love with him at the senior bowl. Um, and I do kind of expect Jordan Addison to be in the mix, at least going into the season being talked about as a potential top 10 pick next year. So we'll just sort of have to see how that goes for him in the future and whether or not, you know, Arthur Smith, whether it's Calvin Ridley or somebody else shows that he can coach a, a player of that skill set uh, and maximize that player. So we'll just sort of see how that goes, but uh, that will do it for us today on today's Q and a, I don't know what we're going to do tomorrow. 
because we don't have a crossover to prepare for. So I know we're going to have a guest on Friday. Um, so we'll see about that, but uh, tomorrow we'll figure something out. So if you guys have questions that you want to send in, we can do another Q and a tomorrow. Again, this is the, the thrill of the off season is that as you guys send in questions, I'm just like, Hey, I don't necessarily have things planned that much. Uh, so you can sort of, you know, kind of guide the ship and steer the ship and provide your feedback on things that you want me to talk about on the podcast. Uh, and so you can do that by hitting me up on Twitter at Lockdown Falcons or Facebook at Lockdown Falcons. You can send an email to LockdownFalcons at mail.com. Or, of course, you can leave a comment here on the Lockdown Falcons YouTube channel. Um, so that will do it for us here on today's Lockdown Falcons. Of course, always recommending your second listens in addition to Lockdown Bulldogs, Lockdown NFL Draft, Lockdown Braves, Lockdown Hawks. Why not check out the Lockdown Bets podcast again? You know, I already know where my head's at in terms of what I'm going to be betting on this weekend in terms of NFL playoff games. But Lee Sterling is the expert. Lee's been killing it all year long. So I would probably pay more attention to Lee's picks than I you would pay attention to my picks. So go check out the Locked on Bets podcast, free and available on a variety of podcast platforms. But guys, that will do it for us here on Locked on Falcons. Uh, we'll see what's in store for us tomorrow's episode. Appreciate it, guys. Till then.